2: Welcome to Whatever Nevermind, the show where we count down the 25 greatest grunge albums of all time, according to Rolling Stone. Today we have, coming in at number 24, the Stone Temple Pilots' 1994 release, Purple. My name is Baco. I am your host, and each week I am joined by a special guest host. This week we have none other than, from the Shout Out Loud cast, Zeus. How are you this evening? I'm
0: doing great, Baco. How are you?
2: uh i'm pretty good man i'm really excited to 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 actually uh introduce you to some of our listeners uh i'm a fan of your guys' show i'm sure we have a decent chunk of crossover we do a handful of uh kiss related episodes but uh this is the first time uh, i've interacted with either one of you as far as uh either one of our podcasts so uh i'm look i'm hoping to have a pretty wide variety of of, uh, guest hosts here so the idea that i'm getting somebody new for two the, the first two episodes is great
0: perfect I think you got my partner Tommy coming up on uh who'd you do
2: screaming trees screaming trees yes so uh, yeah. and you know I'll probably be doubling up some people at some point uh, um, but yeah it's uh, I'm looking forward to all of it um but on your show the shout out loud cast you you're in the middle of do at least as, as of recording this you guys are getting to like the what are you in the final eight of the uh, the, the kiss bracket describe that whole thing
0: yeah, so what we did is basically last year we started it. We did like a March Madness kind of mm-hmm. thing. And we took the classic kick songs from the makeup era. And, uh, of course, it came down to like Detroit Rock City and Deuce. And uh, I think uh, Detroit Rock City won. This year we decided to do non-makeup. And uh, that was actually a little bit more difficult because there's a lot more, you know, Obscure songs, obviously. Deep cuts. But of course, we're down to I think all number ones and number two. Because just like everybody bitches about kiss stop, (laughs) uh, why don't they do deep cuts? Why don't they do deep cuts? Yeah, I love a million to one. Oh my God, I'm a big fan of um, I don't know, Spit. Guess what? They're all knocked out in the first round.
2: So Who did the CD? Me and Tom. So you guys just kind of basically go on, I don't know. Look, these aren't all singles, obviously. Uh, uh, I mean, and how the fuck does Time Traveler end up in here? Does that even count?
0: Yeah, so we did the 64 songs. There was like, uh, I think, eight songs that we didn't include. So like five from um, Carnival Souls got kicked out. A couple from uh, uh, Asylum here and there. So, yeah, we we picked them basically from... What is in a set list still being played? Mm. Hence, you got "Lick It Up," so the two songs, you got <laughs> "Tears," yeah, "Crazy Nights," and things like that. Um, and then we also pick: were they a single? Uh, were they ever played live? Was there a video for them? So that took up, I think, the first six uh, seedings. Okay, so twenty-four songs between singles, uh, played live at one point, and videos. And then the rest, you know, just being around the KISS podcast community, online, Twitter and Facebook, what do people talk about? So for some reason, people like that horrible song, King of the Mountain. I think that song sucks. Agreed. But I've heard people talk about it. It's probably because that idiot, Sonny Pooney loves talking about <laughs> asylum and King of the Mountain. So we mm. ranked it a little bit higher because we've heard people talk about it. But, you know, and most of the songs on um, Carnival Souls got, you know, low uh, seedings. It seemed to work out because, again, everything's down to, like, top seeds are number two. So
2: there you go. I'm surprised that uh, All Night was a five seed. That reeks 16 seed to me.
0: <laughs> there was a video for that. Are you kidding me? That's uh, yeah, gotta I'm, a- be- I'm aware. <laughs> oh, so you just don't like it because you what, no, I have ears. Song? I
2: I've listened to the album Asylum. I mean, so I know that nothing on there is any good. Good point. Oh, so wait a minute. You're trying to tell me that
0: <laughs> for some reason I'll fight hell to hold you should be uh a better seed than that? Come on.
2: Oh, I, I did definitely not say that. Nice one. But right, five so seems I, I pretty can... high. <laughs>
0: not, to... not when you're looking at this list. <laughs> <laughs>
2: So, no, so there really hasn't been any upsets going through this. I, I, I mean, I'm upset because I, I didn't pick it with the idea that I wanted to, I'm going to pick the winners. I picked what I wanted to win.
0: I've done this. Uh, I did this last year. I end up doing, I don't know how Tommy convinced me, but I end up doing all the, you know, the brackets and I end up scoring all this. And in the end, as much as people bitch, I know how kiss people vote online and it's always the favorites. I just did the favorites because I knew it would win. I had my own one that I can do for myself, what mm-hmm. I picked. I think it was like Take It Off and a couple other songs like that were my top choices, but I know it's going to end up going to be like unholy and tears are, tears are falling. That's how it's going to end up.
2: Too many people playing the bracket are trying to win. Unlike like a, a, an actual basketball bracket, I think the integrity of your bracket is, is ruined by people trying to not pick the song they want to win, but the song they think will win.
0: Yeah, and uh, and it's unfortunate because look, um, I don't know if you know and follow Jay, the Hook Rocks. He's got his polls. He does on Twitter all the time. And a couple months back, I brought it to his attention. I'm like, you know what? I dare you to run the same polls but change the seating and put the other song on the bottom. Oh. And I bet you that everything will be different. He's like, oh, come on. And I felt like, I felt bad because I'm like, wait a minute, I think I just ruined everything he does. <laughs> and it's like if I put on no, no, no as the number one seed against Tears of Fallen 16, no, no, no might beat it. Because I don't know do about like, that. Oh, I'm telling you, hmm. people go by seedings and they go by what's on top. I've seen it enough. There's no reason why some of these songs win, absolutely none. And even if it doesn't win, because people will, you know, you're right. I mean, it's it would be outrageous if it did. It'll be a lot higher because it's up top in a higher ranking. Just people I, that don't know go, oh, I'll vote for number one.
2: I, following it through, my bracket was was sincere to what I thought. I think I had unholy win in it at in all, and that doesn't necessarily that mean that's my favorite song of that era, yeah. but it does mean it's one of four. Uh, and because of the way the brackets worked out, it definitely beat out everything that it went up against. Uh, that you know, but if it would have went up against uh, you know, like a million to one, well, the million to one would be the number one song.
0: Yeah, a million to one. Unfortunately, had to go head to head, and then we have other shit in here that I looked at. I'm like, God damn it! How the hell will we have these two shit songs playing against each other? God gave rock and roll to you against I, I'll fight hell to hold you <laughs> or hate against uh, jungle, and then you end up with unholy having to fight you know a million to one later on in the second round and that pisses me off but you know, know as much as you try to do it like you try to make it random but then if you start okay no we can't because I like this song then you are starting to put your own judgment in there, like oh I want a million to one go further so let me move it over here like I don't want to do that so we picked the top number one seeds and I thought that was pretty easy okay, okay. so we went like unholy tears are falling crazy nights. I think, uh, what was the other one? Uh, lick it up because I go by what the kiss fans know. That's their most popular mm-hmm. songs. I didn't go by what's the best songs. We went by what do we think kiss fans will vote? And it turned out that's how they voted. You know?
2: Well, like when you vote on Twitter, you can see like the, the, the results right after you click the vote. And I was really disappointed in how bad Who Wants to be Lonely was running away with, I think, their first round matchup. Uh, but it was like 85 to 15 or something. And I was picking the other song, but I think Who Wants to be Lonely is complete garbage. And the idea that I, I expected it to win, but I didn't expect it to just dominate. Do you have the who that went up against first or that second round? That went up
0: against, yeah, in the first round it went up against... Uh, Loves a dick slap in the face.
2: <laughs> yeah, th- yeah, loves a slap in the f- face should have won that one. Should have dick slapped fucking Who Wants to yeah. Be Lonely.
0: I had idiots that put brackets on that had Radar for Love winning it. Ooh. So, I mean, what the
2: fuck? Long shot. Yeah, playing play yeah, the odds. I mean,
0: some people did it for fun, and then people would come back and be like, oh, wait a minute. Oh, I didn't realize it was going to be like this. I probably did the brackets wrong. I was like, yeah, but.
2: You, how many you brackets did, did to- get turned in?
0: Um, anywhere from three to five hundred. <laughs>
2: Wait, <laughs> it's even that big of a like. You're like, it's at least three hundred, maybe five.
0: Yeah, I've got a stack of emails. I've got a stack that I got from Twitter. I got another stack I printed up from Facebook. I, I just said, "Fuck it." I threw it on the side. I'm not doing this. Like, I got fuck. I got a life. I'm not you, doing you
2: it. You need to get one of those fancy online things where we go online and plug them all in.
0: Yeah, I know, and people have been trying to point us in that direction. Hopefully, they'll find something that works for us. But in the other part too is like, look, I'm doing this for fun. I'm not spending five hundred dollars to set up an Excel sheet so some fucking asshole can put radar for love winning the fucking tournament.
2: Well, regardless, it's a, it's a lot of fun, and it's definitely it's it's fun to talk about all that stuff. But uh... yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, but today we're talking about uh, well, the 25 greatest grunge albums of all time. Um, we're coming in at number 24 with the Stone Temple Pilots' 1994 release, Purple. Let me ask you this real quick, because a lot of people have different opinions about this. They like, they don't think Stone Temple Pilots should be considered grunge. Where, where do you land on just that specific point?
0: Um, I, I put them in there. Um, like depends on what tech. I mean, it's one of those things. Is Guns N' Roses hair metal is, you know, in in that, sure, you can kind of say, well, they're the uh, Van Halen of hair metal, right? The kind of outside band that's in there. They're not really grunge, but during the grunge era, they were in the middle of it. So you just lump them in there and just say, fuck it, who cares? It's not derogatory to call them grunge.
2: Yeah, I agree. It's derogatory
0: to call them hair metal.
2: I would Early on, especially, I would say they were more the poison of grunge metal. Or grunge, not grunge metal. ah, Uh, But uh, I I, I give them much more respect now. Additionally, I I was not a believer. I was like, these guys are just trying a little too hard. But I came around, and we'll get into a lot of that. But I'm with you. For the most part, it's it's semantics. It doesn't really matter. I think it's fine. You're lumping them in with this, this core. They were definitely part of that scene um it it seems like what because they weren't from seattle the i mean is pearl jam grunge they have a very different sound and i think they belong so i don't know
0: yeah and the other part to this is too as well is um from what i understand they were making their first album core before pearl jam was making theirs really they had already done their yeah that's what i heard Okay. that Core had been around and they had worked it because they were under that previous band name Mighty Joe Young Yeah, that they found out at the last minute that somebody else had that name and switched everything up. And they had been working on those albums, those songs, and they had them supposedly before 10 was done. Okay.
2: I only it wasn't the, released first. I mean, but but, but to me, Core, there, we there's – it isn't just Pearl Jam. I, I hear one song that sounds kind of like he's riffing on Eddie Vedder, but then there's a song where it's kind of a Soundgarden-y thing, and then there's one that has kind of a Nirvana vibe to it. So it was kind of all over the place, and Wyland seemed, at least initially, I, I, my, my, my view changed on this, and again, I have not noted to get into a little more, but early on, he just seemed a little too earnest and not legit. Like, it was just like, this is kind of the paint-by-numbers how you do alternative thinking and that grunge mentality. But, uh, but to, to the talking point, I'm all for calling them grunge. I think it's a silly argument. Sure. I think Guns N' Roses being hair metal or even Bon Jovi or Def Leppard in that vein, it's kind of a silly argument. They were all competing for the same audience.
0: Yeah, that's a good point, good way of looking at it. So the guy that's picking up a Poison CD or picking up Kiss during the 80s or picking up Van Halen, they all kind of in the same era. They're the same kind of fans, yep. but they may not be that style or, you know, the look of fashion, but it's the same crowd. You're right. It's a good point.
2: Um, We'll get into a little bit of the album details. It was released on June 7th, 1994. It was produced by Brendan O'Brien, who produced their first record as well. It comes in at a whopping 46 minutes and 59 seconds. Um the cover features I don't know how would you describe the cover art? Uh it's like a chinese baby on a flying dragon I, dog? I with some kind of what what are these mermaids in the background or I don't know. I I don't know. I
0: mean none of their albums have made sense to me. I've looked at the covers. <laughs> I don't get it. Somebody come up with something. You know, it's certainly not dressed to kill or rock and roll over. It's just somebody with like thinking too much. I don't know. There's no, there's nothing really on the back either. There's no song titles listed here or anything. It's just whatever the the style back then, I guess.
2: Um, yeah, I mean, it's kind of that alternative thing. I mean, I think the second Pearl Jam record also did not say Pearl Jam on it at all. This at least says Stone Temple Pilots. But yeah, the, the, the album title, Purple, was even something that wasn't really, it was like, I think that's what it's called, but you didn't know for a long time. Um... Yeah, you know, growing up in that at, at that period anyway. At least I don't recall. I remember people calling it purple, but but like it was like well, I think it's called purple almost. But uh, it did uh, end up hitting number one in the charts at some point in the U.S. and sold six million copies. Did you get it when, right, right when it came out? Yes. So were, and you, were you a fan jumped, from core?
0: Yep. So I jumped on this when you listed up those albums. I was like purple. Yeah. Guaranteed. this is my favorite grunge album. Grunge. Yeah, I just did it. Um. You know, the <laughs> other thing I wanted to mention to you is, yeah. like, look at even the CD.
2: Yeah, okay. He showed like, it to me the on fu- screen. So yeah. do you
0: remember? Remember? Hey, wait I a mean, second. Like, look, look, at,
2: look at mine. I have a different one. Yeah,
0: yeah. I had that version, too. I've had a couple different versions of this. So uh, I had that one with all scaly and yellow that you mm-hmm. have. Yeah. This one's a blurry one. I've had a couple different times I had to purchase this because this was a college buy. So I graduated 95. Um, so me and my partner were college buddies. And I remember buying this when it came out. I remember like falling in love with it. I love the style. I just think it—it's just one of those albums that's a mood for me. I can put this on and leave it, and I'm happy with it. Um, where all those other ones that are on those grunge ones that, you know, the list there. Yeah, I, I'll listen to them. You know, Pearl Jam and other albums, even Nirvana, who I'm a big fan of. They'll throw out shit to be like, "Oh, I'm alternative. Like, what the fuck is this, buddy? Why are you making me, like, what the fuck is Bugs? Like, why are you making me get up and get the fucking remote and changing this? Like, come on, dude. You know, stop. This, I can play. Up until that last part, which is the last song with the stupid lounge singer. But even that's kind of funny. Um, But, you know, I, I fell in love with it when I bought it. I was a big fan of theirs originally and uh i wasn't disappointed when this came out
2: well let's get into the uh let's get into the music man side one opens up with meat Plow." landscaping but uh uh you're the guest man what do you got to say on meat plow what are these song titles like what the (laughs) fuck so i looked up meat plow just for this episode
0: and i of course get into um urban dictionary have you seen this one no no it was like the shape of a penis plowing it like plowing into a vagina or number two (laughs) a bitch who's fat oh Often found supersizing value meals. I'm like, what the fuck is that? Like, that's pretty descriptive. Um, Yeah, I I don't know. The song's a nice way to start the album, but I I don't know what the title means.
2: When you read the lyrics, it seems like he's clearly talking about his dick. He talked about his uh, brother showed him how to, like, uh, you know, kind of keep the peace or something with women, and and even a woman showed him how. Um, So it's. Uh, it, it does seem that there's a genital reference here, but you know, I mean, almost like that song sex type thing, there almost might be a double meaning or something that where he's almost like mocking a masculinity or of, of certain, you know, certain bands. So.
0: Yeah. And these lyrics, the whole album, I believe is bought by Whelan. He writes this, all the music is done by the band. So I, again, I, I'm going to go back and it's a, alternative grunge, I'll put that title on it, era kind of a thing the fucking lyrics don't make sense, they don't read like I get these people are deep and I get Kurt Cobain is (laughs) deep and all that stuff and their words are different stuff but I'm still reading the English language so I will read some of these lyrics on these albums I'm reading it, I can understand English there are words on the page it doesn't fucking make sense to me I don't know what the hell he's talking about. The sentences don't even make sense to me. So it's not like he says I went down the street and then he talks about shooting a gun. The next thing, like they don't, it doesn't combine into a complete thought. I have no idea what the fuck he's talking about.
2: <laughs> do, you, do you? No, no. Well, so, sometimes, but for, I, look, I get your overall point, and that's kind of where I. It seemed like with and more than the than his contemporaries. It was more it felt more forced with him like this is I'm just gonna say weird things and throw words together. um I think some of the stuff that as we get into it, not in this song necessarily um, uh, it, it the song to me actually if I break it down it seems like what he's trying to say is that like um my brother taught me how to jerk off, my girlfriend taught me how to fuck. Um, but you know, it ain't, it, it, it's not David LaRoth. I got my, I got a drink in her hand and toes in her sand, you know, that kind of thing where it's easy to, to, to paint the picture, you know, what, what the fuck is he talking about?
0: Yeah. Well, my mind is getting dirty. Yeah. Around 1130. Uh huh. <laughs> right. <laughs> I want to watch them. Has shaking to the noise? The boys are making. I get that. Right.
2: Yeah. It's a this, Trump, it's, uh- it's a Trump crowd at a at Trump rally.
0: <laughs> Perfect. But I'm with you, and uh, I don't know. It comes together for me. The words, I don't understand it. I'm trying to interpret what he's saying, but it's still good music. So I'm I'm okay with
2: it. Yeah, on the music end, I'm gonna I'm, I'm probably gonna hit this a lot. I hear some Zeppelin in this. Um, it seems like okay. uh, uh, they kind of the band is is just so fucking good. Um, and Wyland kind of like I don't know. He he put a little sparkle on what they were doing. So. I, I give it uh, four Doc Martens out of five. What about you? <laughs> we'll go with Doc Martens. Is um, there a different grunge reference you like? Four pla- flannel shirts.
0: Um, Let me think. If I, Stars are so boring, of, Zeus. Yeah, <laughs> I get you. Um, let's go with, because I've got to have like a, uh, like a floor, and know which song is at that floor because I love this whole fucking album. Okay, I'll say I'll go probably with the six on this.
2: Six out of five. All right, all right. Six out of ten. Oh, we're going
0: one through five. Oh yeah, yeah.
2: Five stars. Well,
0: five stars. Oh shit! Now you're gonna throw me off. Uh, now you use
2: you, you, your. I don't give a fuck. You go six out of ten. I, it, it, who gives a crap? I'll
0: go. I'll go. Um, I mean, do you do halves? Sure. Two and half a yeah. half. Three. Yeah.
2: Yeah, two and a half. All right, two and a half. Um, Next up is Vaseline, the first song I heard off the record. It was the opening single. a perfect song and it this was uh, looking back it's easy to say this i don't know if i felt so much at the time this was kind of when this is them being them now or maybe the first album they were kind of you know uh aping some other bands and things of that nature and doing it pretty well by the way i love i think core is a great record but yeah this song is stone temple being stone temple and 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 you start to see that in a lot of stuff from from basically this entire record forward, but this being the lead single what a what a killer track
0: yeah, i I'm with you when this came out, I was fucking like, yeah, this is my band. uh, the video was awesome um you know the the whole build up and it starts you know cranking, cranking, and then the music, so like the band itself, without him singing it still rocks. And then his vocals, his vocals are nasty. And I just love that. Like, I, I can't just like, that little shuffle there in the middle of the, uh, of the verses that I was just.
2: And that, that, awesome. that off time riff, but it's, it's, it's only fucking two notes for the most part, but it, but it's timed. So, um, drastically coarse against the drums. And yet it, it, it all times up and the bass kind of pulls it all together. And then, yeah, Wyland's melody on this is just, I mean, it, it everything works basically
0: yeah i just it's hard to say you know what i mean when you hear that song it's just badass just fucking rocks and you know what and i love like the melodies and the slower songs and the thoughtful songs and the deep songs but this one rocks yeah and 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 it's and it made me feel like okay it's a little bit better and um more melodic than like you know some of their other stuff like cracker man and other stuff on core this one had a little bit of, I think, of a better hook. I I I can't say enough about this. For me, this is a five.
2: Yeah, um, yeah, I get that's definitely a five for me, too. Um chimes in just under three minutes. I think we've already hit on it, but that, I wanted to mention that the music shows such inventive, you know, growth from the first record to this one. Expect even for its time, it just stands out. Yep. Yeah. All right, coming at number three is Loungefly. It's okay, it's okay, okay, really. You kill me.
3: The lounge fly, the lounge fly, the fly you bring me. I think I'm free, but the dogs they won't release me. Don't have a nickel or a dollar, but you feed me. My bottle's empty, but you always will feel me. I feel I'm sickin', but you won't let me drown me. I wanna fuck, I wanna fuck, but do you need me? I-
2: Again, I think this has more of a Zep kind of music feel, especially that acoustic bridge. Um, But uh, lyrically, it sounds like we're getting into a lot of drug talk from this point on. Um, I, I, I didn't realize it at the time. It was kind of like going back and researching this record for today. That it seems like Wyland is starting to chase Lane Staley as far as uh, trying to be this, the guy who delivers this, this, I, I'm i a self-aware drug addict message.
0: Yeah, I, I found that, too, because when I started researching myself. A lot of the themes are like, shit, that's about drugs. Wait a minute. This is about heroin. This is about heroin. This is about, this is about him hiding heroin from his girlfriend. Yeah. <laughs> this is about him hiding it from his band. This is about him feeling guilty that he's hiding it. And it's like, what the fuck? I didn't realize it. You know, but. Yeah, I, I I I guess so. Uh, maybe I give Lane or like maybe cool.
2: give uh, Wyland bonus points for uh, it not being so so obvious. Where I think anybody who listened to Allison Chain's record Dirt, you can f- clearly tell what he you know it, it's about you know his own personal demons and stuff you know. But so yeah, give maybe Wyland's a little more creative than we gave him credit for.
0: Yeah, and these lyrics are pretty cool. I want to fuck, I want to fuck, but do you need me? Ooh, pretty yeah.
2: smooth. Yeah, man, you're right up there. That's uh, that that's up there with. I mean, he could have been in, in a hair band. Yeah, Warren, that, could have. This could have been. Damn it. This could have been. Those could have been lyrics for Cherry Pie. to the fact that I write the words, um, I
1: was doing a lot of. Uh, I would. I guess I'd say reflecting and thinking and uh, internalizing things. So it was a very personal album. to
2: me. Oh my God! Uh, this song, I give four. Doc Martens. Oh, oh, I should say real quick, uh, this one's supposedly written only by Robert DeLeo, so no lyric credit to Weiland, at least according to Wikipedia. I guess I don't have the CD CD liner notes, unfortunately, kind of fail us a little bit there, but I think Weiland did write all the lyrics. Uh, yeah,
0: I I saw that it said he wrote all lyrics. The fact that I wrote. Okay, that maybe sense.
2: that maybe that's what their there's probably the music there's, is. Him. There's probably a side note there. So yeah, Robert DeLeo wrote the music for this, but uh, ch- uh comes in at 5 minutes and 18 seconds, a little bloated, but I give it for Doc Martins.
0: Yeah, I'm uh I'm going with 3 on this one.
2: Okay. Well, let's kick off to the next track which uh, I, uh, to me it's almost a perfect song. For his wife, Wyland, from her perspective. And this gets to what you were kind of talking on. Like, uh, I wrote about me hiding drugs from her while uh, hide, lying to her about the things I was doing while recording the record Purple.
0: Yeah, it's uh, honesty, lack of honesty, heroin use, who's lying to who, and, you know, it, it seems like the common theme throughout this. But this song, oh, it's just off the charts for me. If I could go above five, I would. Um I love this. I don't know why they were calling it country rock. I'm a big country fan. I don't hear country rock in this. Me
2: either, but, man. Uh, I, I,
0: but it's described as that, as such.
2: This did not leave MTV for about, I don't know, six months, it seemed like. Uh, it was everywhere. Um, And I'm not gonna. I'm not too proud to admit this was a grower for me. It didn't click with me right off the bat, which is shocking when I listen to it now because it is everything you're looking for. This is just a great rock and roll song. I don't even hear the message he's saying. I just it's melodic. You know, it's it's probably one of their hookier tunes.
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And it goes back to when you when I you know go back and listen to this again. A more the thing that sticks out to me the most is the the music. What a great job the mm-hmm. band did. And like I didn't really appreciate it that much back then. Because you think of Scott William is basically STP, but the brothers, the Leo brothers are fucking awesome on this.
2: I, so, I, I think all through like their career they're making music, but when with Wyland was turning the music into some sort of art. Um, if that makes that's pretty pretentious, but that's that's where I'm. I'm going to stick with it, Zeus.
0: Okay, I'll take it. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> so, but this song is just off the charts. Obviously, it's a five for
2: me. Yeah, it's five here too. It's uh, it's almost genre-defying too. I mean, it just it it does look. It, um, again, we've already kind of covered that. We're going to go with this being grunge. No big deal. But yeah, this this song kind of had that that crossover effect that a lot of the bigger songs of this era did. You know, like Black Mm -hmm. Hole Sun with uh, Soundgarden would be another good example, or maybe Rooster by Allison Chains. This one just kind of like touched with a lot of people that even people that kind of rejected the whole movement, like kind of got pulled in for this. And Stone Mm -hmm. Temple, maybe, if anything, should get a little credit for that. Like they seem to be the band that people who hated Nirvana, (laughs) Allison Chains and Soundgarden, they could still like these guys a little bit. I like Warrant and Slaughter and Stone Temple Pilot. They weren't
0: as scary. They were good-looking guys. That's the other thing. Hmm. Okay. Go look at Soundgarden. Never mind Chris Cornell, but the guitarist or <laughs> some of the other band members of all of the other hair metal, hair metal grunge bands. They're not like in there for their
2: looks. No. I mean, know, Chris Cornell is are- probably one of the best-looking men on the planet, but you got a point, I think, beyond that, especially Kim Thale. Jesus, the guy looked like he, I don't know, Never met a shower.
0: Yeah, he looks like the murderer in that awful Tawny Kitaen fucking movie. What was it? Witchboard. witchboard. Oh uh, no no Ever no! no uh,
2: witchboard. Is that what you said? Did you say witchboard? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Do
0: you remember there was a fucking axe murderer that they brought back from the dead? That's who he looks like with the, without the <laughs> brain. Look at me. I am furious with you right now.
3: I know, and you're so gorgeous when you're
4: angry.
0: Look. Don't joke when you're this close to death. <laughs> what the fuck was his name? That was going to bug me.
2: Uh, Malcolm Jamal Warner. <laughs> Malcolm Jamal <laughs> Warner? The Cosby Kids? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Is that not the right guy? <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> One of the Cosby Kids was on that. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh,
2: exactly. my, uh, my only memory of that movie is like, just disappointingly waiting for a nude scene. Oh, she was so smoking back oh, then. No oh, no
0: doubt. Oh. I know, so I got you sidetracked. I apologize.
2: No, that's uh, that's all good. <laughs> if we can get into some kind of spank talk, that's always a good thing. Oh yeah. And number five is still remains. <laughs> Of, like, where you're starting to see the stone temple really establish who they are as far as a sound, the band, what they're doing, and kind of while and he kind of manages what makes the songs a little more different than other ones. Not a huge tune for me, though. I didn't, I, I,
0: this is again what I said when I we were talking before we started recording that I could put this thing on and just leave it, yeah. And then I'm like, well, wait a minute. Which which song is this again? Is this song like there are songs that I know, but is this Army Ants? Oh, no, this is still remains. I think like right, right. like I, I'll forget. But they're both they're all good songs. But they don't. I can't tell because a fucking era. Of what the what the song title? It goes
2: are. back to what you're saying earlier. It's yeah, like you know, I mean, you know. Well, uh, not that I'm a big. I, I'm just referencing it because it's in my head. But cherry pie, you know what fucking cherry pie <laughs> sounds like? Yeah. Or lick it up? Or fucking uh, uh, too young to fall in love? Goddamn, living on a prayer. All that stuff comes right to you. But yeah, it still remains. To me, yeah. it's, is this a Pantera song title, or I just uh, Slayer? Yeah, I, I they,
0: that's the thing, and that's where you like that whole Nirvana type of song titles that you're like, "What the fuck is this song?" There's nothing to do. With, he doesn't even sing it. But oh well, um, it's arty. It's a good song. It's a pretty song. Um, it, you know, it, it's it's mellow. It's not my favorite on here, but it's not. It's again, it's it just follows the mood on this whole album.
2: I uh I had I struggled to give it two stars. It it gets that largely because I think it's a great album and I don't want to rank anything less than two. It's a skipper for me.
0: See, this is what ends up happening. Like I listening to this and then I think how did I give meat plow a two and a half? Okay, go back. What's your new meat plow rating? Three and I would probably keep this out of three.
2: Because this is my floor. All right. And the album with side one if you bought the cassette. Um, Closes (laughs) with Pretty Penny, which is uh, kind of a Revolver Era's Beatles type song. to get into it. Again again though we're we're talking about heroin of course, but now it's a girl trying heroin for the first time.
0: Yeah. Um I love this song. He's got that whole like Indian music flair to it, right? Mm -hmm. And um I saw them in '96 when I was in just got out of college and they performed this is right, tiny music just had come out. Okay. And so in the middle of their concert, they did like six songs acoustic in the middle of it. This was one of it. It was fucking awesome and um i love the song i love the you know and i'm a big zeppelin fan it does remind me of that whole zeppelin vibe here okay i I, it just it it goes back to like this whole album is they're just stretching a little bit of the boundaries not going too far off but the mood is still the same like the whole album there's only one other album that I can think of that reminds me of this, and that is, uh, and I don't know if you're an R.E.M. fan. I'm a big R.E.M. fan. I'm Automatic <laughs> for the People. That album, there's a mood to that whole fucking album. Oh, I get what you're that. saying. Yeah, and I can't describe it, but this fits in there. Like, if you took this and you put it on core, it wouldn't work. And it stays with this, because I think that there's some okay. sort of an underlining theme throughout all this. And even though this is a different type of music... Then let's say, you know, Vaseline, it still fits on this album. Um, I like it. it. Again, you're right. It's all about addicts and despair and whatever. <laughs> but I would give this one a four.
2: Me, it gets two. Um, and I know, I look, I, I think that's not a popular opinion from my experience with people yeah. who like this one. Uh, typically, I've been the one dissenting voice when it comes to this. So. And usually, you know, if they know my history, that's when they bring up that I love the Elder. Excuse so. me. It's all right. I like it, too. <laughs> well, before we get into side two, let's talk a little bit about uh, where you were when this came out. So starting with grunge, how old would you have been in 1991, if you don't mind telling the audience? You can lie if you want. I, was a f- I finished up
0: uh, high school, and I just entered my freshman year in college and met my fucking soon-to-be partner, Tommy. At Stonehill in uh, in Boston, and uh, we st- I still we we had our kiss, we had our hair metal. I remember my first day in the dorm, I blasted uh, "Monkey Business" from uh, Skid Row. Yeah. So it was like that. "Use Your Illusion" just came out. Metallica's Black, and, and then all of a sudden, by the time the summer came around, I met up with all my old friends from UMass Amherst, all back in Arlington. Everybody was listening to this new band. Um, 10, I heard Nirvana back then when I was at Stonehill and all of a sudden now, everything changed nobody was talking, playing Poison and shit like that it was all, oh, you gotta listen to this and then, I think the the big part was, during this era for me, was that 94 year, my junior year and we were all, you know, this had come out, um, Vitology had come out, um Super Unknown was out Jar of Flies had just come out on uh, um, Nine Inch Nails just released it, so this was like the golden age of grunge, and yeah. it was just Dookie had just come out from Green Day. I mean, I don't know. I guess I could go on. I don't know what else had come out at that time, but it was just insane. Allison in Chains, uh, besides Jar Flies, they just had released. Uh, I think was it their self titled Allison Chains that year. Uh, yeah, I don't J- n- what ninety six you're talking now, or, or- this is ninety four. 95 90. 94 95 I know Jar of Flies went into number 1. I That's think Jar of Flies people.
2: was 94. Um yeah. I, I'm going off memory here though. I'm not I'm not Wikipediaing this crap. So, um you know, no,
0: super unknown was out like this was it and then I just got right into it. And so you, in you, you,
2: you 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 kind of got into most of it a little bit later?
0: No, maybe. Well, I mean, I'm I,
2: saying from 91 to 94 cuz really this this movement only lasted till about 96. I mean, it's really about halfway through at ninety four. Um,
0: I'm just thinking that this was the golden age. I'm thinking oh, about yeah, you're, yeah, you're absolutely, absolutely right. Yeah, but no, no. But I got into it when ten had come out. Okay, okay. Uh, I had heard of bleach. I had heard, and I ended up getting Nevermind when it first came out and stuff. But the heyday, the golden age, I would say, would be ninety four. Yeah. And Nirvana is what do you call it? Uh, In Euro, Kirk just died, and then they just had the Unplug just came out too.
2: That's right. So, um. Well, let me ask you this, because we're about the same age. To me, one thing I don't think is ever undersold is how quick it changed. Um, you know, uh, I, I, we, we, we debate uh, a certain topic that I'll get into here in a second um, on our show quite a bit, and, and other shows do it all the time, too. But um, one thing I do think is accurately portrayed, especially if you're about our age, you can remember it, because you're, you're in your early 20s or, or late teens, it was like hair metal and then Boom. Uh, within a few months, everything was different. Uh, you know, Nirvana came out. I think the end of '91, and by the summer of '92, MTV was only playing basically the Evenflow video for on loop. It seemed like,
0: yeah, it it was it was a joke because when I went in, by the time I was a freshman with all my hair metal CDs, they were like (laughs) hidden. Like I don't have Poison. I don't. I don't have Great White. What are you talking about? Like I had. These things I'm putting on the front, so when your girls are coming into your dorm room, you're like, Oh, want to hit some right. nine inch nails, right? Yeah, there playing,
2: you go, nine inch nails. You're not playing the
0: rat anymore, so yeah, because yeah, it, cause it, it rat, changed,
2: yeah. Like, what was 92 the first year of uh Perry Farrell's uh Lollapalooza Festival, all that kind of stuff, and then that suddenly changed everything, and uh, girls dress different. Um, man, I don't know. I, I to me, that's the one thing that I do think is accurately portrayed with all this stuff. It's like it was very quick,
0: and I remember like reading like at a time like Nirvana, Kurt Cobain had called Pearl Jam a bunch of posers. So if Pearl Jam was a bunch of posers, <laughs> what the fuck did uh, I don't know Dawkin have a chance with? You know what I mean? Yeah. So all that stuff became just uncool and gone. And then you, but the stuff was coming out so quick and fast. You know, maybe those other bands Cinderella was releasing a CD or something, but you didn't have time for that shit. No, you needed to catch who's this band? This band's called um, you know, um, I don't know. SD, this is Stone Temple Pilots. This is uh, Soundgarden. This is Nine Inch Nails. This is um, you know, Screaming Trees. So you start getting into all of them, yeah. and you're discovering all this new music, and it's so great you don't have music. Time to catch them, yeah. It was good, and then just like everything, just like hair metal. You know, once you get rid of the first, the Big Ten, yeah, you, you start getting all the stupid bands that come out, and you're like, "What the fuck? This is a joke! I can't believe I listened to this shit." And then you get, you get some awful music that com- came into this era.
2: Yeah, it well, yeah, it turned into a product like all, like it always does. Yeah. Um it, but almost like hip hop, grunge seemed to be um these weren't people playing roles when it came to the original the original one like they were legit like you know early hip-hoppers were actually shooting each other and um grungers were killing themselves with heroin where i think a lot of hair metal these guys played this role of partiers and all this stuff but they were actually kind of businessmen behind the scene um and more willing to market themselves to a certain sense um well you kind of touched on it but what were you listening to leading up to 91 then it was hair metal mainly Um, oh
0: yeah oh yeah I mean I had my kiss phase obviously but by that point you know um, you know Guns and Roses uh, Doc and Rat uh, Great White all those bands back then you know and of course uh, Aerosmith had a resurgence back then Um, you know and I obviously was into kiss again Um, all those bands basically and then you know Zeppelin And then I I did take one little quick thing in the 90s, and that was uh, I got into 90s country back then, the whole Garth Brooks and all that stuff. And I fell in love with that. I still listen to that music all the time. and I love it.
2: Like 96 to 98 is the only era of country I enjoy as far as like artists that were current at that time. Um, yes. Yeah, uh, I get it too. Yes, it, get it. It's weird. Um, well, uh, there's one question I'm going to ask everybody as we count down to number one, and that is, in your opinion, uh, Zeus did grunge kill metal?
0: Um, yeah, I, I would. I've had this conversation. It's funny. I think there's a combination of it, and 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 I've you know the other part of this was I I used to say to Tommy all the time too was that uh, Metallica killed it too. Mm-hmm and and that is and and just hear me out on this and i've said this to no no this is your you, them you're the making force. fun of like the wingers and all that other shit put them to shame except that metallica was the only really one of three or four big talented thrash type of metal bands that could pick that music up and they just destroyed that whole genre of music by saying oh they're a bunch of fucking posers anybody that looks like that or was that style? They're not as hard as us. So you're a pussy if you like that shit. And then all of a sudden grunge and stuff came out like we're authentic. We're, we're the new poets. We're the new Dylans of this era. So what the hell is the, like, the guy from Cinderella got a chance against that shit? <laughs> they
2: don't. They don't. So between Eric Italian Brittingham walks that, in behind uh, yeah. uh, like Kim Thale I and mean, Eric Brittingham's got that perfect palm tree hairdo done. And, and Kim Thale's like, dude, I don't even take a shower, man. You, yeah, exactly. You, you got hair. You have more hairspray in your head than I have deodorant in my closet.
0: Yeah, how are they going to compete against that? It's you just totally took them and just made them a joke. Metallica did that along with grunge, and even um, GNR a little bit. Yeah, but GNR was okay because they still would go on tours with these guys. Yeah. and were friends with some of them. Yeah, they're still doing like, for instance, remember the Sam Kinison video?
2: Yeah, yeah. With uh the, the wild was there thing. Uh yeah. with all the guys
0: from Pratt and everybody else in there. Yeah, right? who's the
2: girl that was slathering around there? The uh,
0: Um the the one that pulled ten, the uh the preacher.
2: Yeah, Jim Baker's little side action. Uh,
0: yeah, oh god is, Jessica Hahn, is she still alive? Yeah. I don't
2: know. I don't know, man. <laughs> <laughs> but, but I, when we're done here, i got it a box hot. of Playboys to go through.
0: Yeah,
2: she was. Yeah. yeah, she yeah, but, was, man. Slash
0: and all them were all around with the guys from Rat and all the other guys in there, right, singing along. They were buddies with them.
2: Yeah. So it's know. hard
0: to kind of push themselves away. They were kind of in there. But Rat, I mean, not Rat. But Guns as and a
2: tone to- in an image, they kind of changed things a little bit. And then Metallica is doing what you're saying, kind of added to that. I I, I think those are both precursors to grunge.
0: There was Guns N' Roses. There was uh, Tesla. Yeah. Stripped down. Black Crows stripped down. No one's wearing makeup. They're wearing jeans and shit now. And all of a sudden even Kiss. And like you look at 89, they went from Asylum. And then they, they, you know, they're still kind of uh, crazy nights are still kind of fucked up. But then by the time Hot in the Shade comes in, they're wearing vests. Uh Uh-huh. And you know
2: They look good in hot like, in the shade, I think. And yeah, t-
0: yeah, yeah. And uh even look at um we just did with Sunny, we just did um OU eight one two as a bonus episode. Go look at those videos. How Van Halen dressed back then? It like they were in Miami Vice.
2: That little kind of like mid bob cut that Sammy had—is that the that era? And he's wearing always like almost like pajamas before pajamas. Like
0: those fucking MC Hammer pants and like zoot suits he was wearing back then. Oh, it's right. And they, the and they all would have like those fucking jackets and their bare chests. They all were doing that shit back then.
2: So side two of Purple opens up with Silver Gun Superman. <laughs> About heroin. Um, <laughs> Again, I was is- actually shocked to find out today how much of this was about heroin.
0: Yeah, but I think they're saying that the uh, the needle, whatever, is the silver gun or whatever. I, I I don't know. I'm not a fucking heroin addict. It was like some sort of a slang or something.
2: Yeah, Weiland wasn't gonna use like the uh, you know uh, already uh, established things like chasing the dragon, you know, or or the needle and the spoon. He wanted to come up with his own term.
0: And it's also about like jealousy and a friendship. Here here here's the quintessential part that I and I put that down as the lyrics. Couldn't hide. Right, Write W R I T E a wave. Ride, R-I-D-E, a lie. Okay, explain that to me <laughs> in English. But It might as well be
2: Melvin's that. lyrics.
0: Okay, but I can explain to you like this, because one of my favorite songs by Nirvana is Breed. We can plant a house, we can build a tree. Backwards, right? Same you didn't thing see here. that?
2: It's like, what if God was a woman? Boom!
0: Yeah, but what I'm saying is he's copying Kurt Cobain here basically yeah Okay. Uh, you don't you you know you write a lie or you ride a wave right why is it the opposite verb is what the opposite noun, right what they're doing it's just again it doesn't make sense um but i will tell you right now the best and my favorite deep cut on this album i fucking love this song i love his singing the, uh, the vocals on this are off the charts
2: I like it too, but I like more that we've just had a vocabulary and some uh, kind of a small English class with Zeus. Uh, <laughs> I really love the breakdown there. <laughs> Something Sorry, about a verb and, and a noun. Legal, uh, yeah, I
0: brought I brought all my legal training. I started, started analyzing and breaking this shit down, but you know it gets back to again. Um, it's not fucking kiss. I've got, got a
3: body built for sin and an for
0: passion. Yeah, no it's doubt. Supposed to be some- deep shit and uh, but I fucking love this song you know when he starts going into the main chorus over and over again you know I told a line and he just keeps singing it over I just think I think this is the best deep cut on the album
2: initially I felt there was something kind of fraudulent with Wyland that I was touching on but to me this song by this point this far into the record it seems like you're starting to realize this really is just who this guy is and if you look at what you know everything he's done from this point on. He is just that weirdo who has a different way of uh, expressing himself lyrically. Uh, he might be the grunge Dylan. Who fucking knows if that that might be preposterous? But I I'll fuck it. I'm I'm gonna go with it. Yeah.
0: How about that fucking guitar outro? Oh
2: shit! Yeah. I mean the the band can't. We probably haven't touched enough on that, have we? They are really at the top of their game. This is a fucking great A band. They, I mean, the DeLeo brothers obviously work well together. Although they don't look like brothers, one's like nine feet tall, and the other <laughs> one is is like got a face of a gremlin. Uh, but no, they're just a killer band, and they sound so good. Um, really inventive guitar playing too the way the the layering and the voicings and maybe that's working with Brendan O'Brien but not every Brendan O'Brien band has that you know what I mean so it really because as much as they have great riffs, when you really listen to even a riff like a sex type thing, you listen yeah. underneath it, there's a lot of little things happening under that it's like these little little voice accenting you know voices that are going on with the guitar and it just it really brings the, the song out beyond just a guitar driven kind of thing. It's more musical if that makes sense.
0: No, you're right. I think a lot of it has to do maybe it's because they're brothers. Yeah. And they can they've their their chemistry's there and they know what they're doing and be you know can work together well. It's just the music on this one kicks ass and then just you know his voice. It's fucking great singer. Oh, just yeah. he shows off of this, you know, and I love it. I I mean I again can't say enough about this. This is a five off the charts for me.
2: I, I give this one four. Um but the thing I wanted to mention that you just talked on was was his singing. And it is, I don't think I left, walked away from the first record thinking he was as good of a singer as he is, uh, or was, I should say. But um, this record, you really do hear it. Uh, And this is a great example of of him just really showing he's got a little more range, you know? Yep, absolutely. All right, coming in at number eight, we have... Big empty and I'm gonna kick it to you, but I'm gonna I'm gonna really piss off some people here and I'm gonna go hard pass
1: driving faster in my car Falling farther from just one.
0: this point i feel like i can have him sing the phone book and i'm okay with it really like yeah i i'm happy because his voice is just shining on this
2: um okay you know
0: it, if somebody else did this song i don't think it would work but i think it works with him's doing it um you know and i was he a fan of the it, you know
2: what i mean yeah yeah
0: and then because of the movie and the way it came out and the way they marketed it It gives me that visual, too, with this song and that and The Crow. So it makes me like it a little bit more. Um, You know, no conversation, conversations kill. Can't you just keep hearing that over again? Conversations kill. Just over and over again. It's his voice. It just sells the song, I think.
2: These are the dumbest fucking lyrics on the record. (laughs) Uh, uh, They are nonsense. It is just... This is everything I, I, I've i defended him for up to this point not being. Now he is that. He is just this poster boy of like, I'm just going to fucking mishmash just the most ridiculous shit together and i'm gonna sell it with a serious face and i'm gonna sit in a rocking chair you know and it's just all this fucking weird <laughs> yeah. shit um oh guess what new hairstyle didn't see that coming uh yeah it's just too many things and again the the great song album uh, song title big empty uh ah, whatever
0: <laughs> yeah exactly what is this about um you know, it's just, riding faster in my car. Like, okay. <laughs> it's just, uh, but he's, he does it. I don't know, at that point now, uh, you know, I, he can sell anything to me. Um, <laughs> I would still give this one a four for me. Uh,
2: you had, you heard it from Zeus. Uh, Weiland, the P.T. Barnum of 1994. Can That's sell it. you anything. Yeah, I'll give it a two. So coming up on number nine, uh, Unglued. <laughs> fucking love this song now this is uh look this is a great album but this this kind of thing really is back in my vein of like almost uh vaseline where it's just this killer riff and Mm -hmm. the lyrics just the lyrics and melody right off just everything the way it comes together just perfect i love it i was at stonehill
0: drinking with tommy and some fucking like student band Do you have any other friends (laughs) <laughs> oh yeah, there's a ton of, them. and they're all and they're all and they're all described on our podcast daily. Yeah, right but the now, only one right now, Tom's do listening,
2: going, "Jesus, Zeus, say, did you do anything without me?" Uh, uh, so I'm, I remember I coming
0: out with this and playing it and saying in the first couple opening lyrics, "Where moderation is masturbation." I'm like, "What the fuck is this?" But like, holy shit, I didn't realize that that's what he's saying in the song. And I realized they were playing Unglued. I'm like, holy shit, these guys suck. But fuck, I'm going to go back and listen to Unglued again a little more. Yeah. And I fucking fell in love. And I love the song. And it's a little bit of a, I don't know, I, I guess I would say a little hair metal opening, but with some distortion A in little it. bit, yeah. yeah. Right? Um, The sound. And it's just it's a good kick-ass song. You're right. It's in in the vein of like Vaseline.
2: So I like it. Just a great rocker, man. I gave it Absolutely. five star, uh, five Doc Martens.
0: I uh, I have this at four, and apparently to Wikipedia, this was the first, last song he played before he died.
2: Oh, really? Yeah. Hmm. All right, coming in at number ten. This is where the album pretty much ends for me. Army ants. <laughs> playback, but honestly I've already forgotten it. And and I you know it's one of those it's kinda like that the the end of side one there where we were talking a little bit about. But a lot of grunge bands to me did this and you kinda hinted at it with like Pearl Jam throwing in bugs and all this kind of weird stuff. It seemed like if they've put on thirteen songs the last three or two were just basically throwaways. It just they weren't there for any real enjoyment. They weren't going to be something you held on to, and this record seems to have ended with unglued for me. Um, so I'm going to give this two stars.
0: Yeah, I'm going to say Army Ants. I'll give it a three. Okay. Very similar to S- Still Remains. I, there are times I'm like, wait a minute, which song is this again? Yeah. Um, it's it, you know, it's got that weird intro in the beginning but I like it. It still stays in the, in the zone. And I, I like the mood and, but it's, you know, I, I, again, I'll stay with a three.
2: And it closes up with, it's either one or two songs, but it's only 11 tracks on a CD. Kitchenware and candy bars. So- also got that kind of second album. 12
3: precious melodies worth
2: I just wrote down z. <laughs> this is forgettable art rock to me this is where they kind of just said we need one more song and then they threw in that weird uh, like hey you never thought we'd do lounge singing did you? We're that alternative so uh, what do you got on this one Zeus? All right, so
0: on this again, I, I like it. I like his vocals. I can listen to him sing anything by this point. It, it this reminds me of, it, like again, one of my favorite albums. If this was on the top twenty five, I'd probably ask you to do this one as well. Jar of flies. If you listen, that mood. It's the same thing with this song. Um, it's just you know, kind of a melancholy, mellow kind of song. Um, I think it's the same. What I wanted is what I wanted is what she wanted. <laughs> Sell me down the river. I just, I like it. It, it goes. Am I going to, like, invite friends over and be like, hey, listen to this song? <laughs> no. But if I'm in a mood and I'm doing something, I can listen to this all the way through. I'm, I'm okay with it. The lounge song singer guy is uh, some guy named Richard Peterson who's a big Johnny Mathis fan. That's why it's in the lyrics, too, apparently. Uh, they said it was kind of like a goof, apparently, like mm. to be like, oh, all these people put these hidden songs. So it's not really a hidden song. It's still part of Song 12, I believe. So it's it's not a hidden track, but they were kind of goofing on that. So they had this guy. Apparently, they heard him, and he was like, a, like he thinks this music is serious. And they're like, yeah, wouldn't it be funny if we just put this song as our last track, the second album and stuff, so... It's called my second album. I I'm not ranking that, but I would put Kitchenware as three.
2: I give it a two. Um but uh going back to your earlier point about not something you play on, so when you were you and Tom were dating, you wouldn't have yes. burned him a, a you went to have thrown this on a mix C D.
0: <laughs> oh, you do you remember these this era? I had the five CD changer. Did you have that stuff too? Uh, I, you know, stairs?
2: I was I was a hardcore purist. I refused to. I'm like, I can only play one at a time. I only need oh, one. Oh, no,
0: you're also wrong. Five CDs. This, super unknown. Uh, I think I was playing Versus at the time. Uh, what was the other one? Nevermind. And, Cherry um, Pie. Jar of Flies. And there was, <laughs> oh, you know the other one? Single soundtrack it was Ooh, always in the mix.
2: That's coming up here too.
0: Yep, yep, and that was in it. Those five were on my CD five disc CD changer,
2: blasting all the time. Well, as a host of a Kiss podcast, were you still listening to Kiss during this era too? Now, now you've given me a complex. I can't bring them up again. Did you actually check out from the band for a little bit or not? I got into Kiss as a little kid, like all of us did. Holy fuck!
0: Like you know, because it was a comic book. I was into them when I was like. It's funny because I was like, I got into them when I was like three or four, and I outgrew them when I was like seven or eight.
2: <laughs> like,
0: oh, I'm, I'm, too old. I'm too old for Kiss I'm 8, yeah, I'm years, eight old.
2: years old I got out
0: of them And then I heard about when Lick It Up And the Animalize came out Went to Michigan, visited my crazy cousin over there And he's playing Animalize Uncensored. They They live in Des- Detroit And he's got that on the fuck I'm like what the fuck is this And he's the same cousin that got me into Kiss He's like this is Kiss I'm like they're still around And I fell in love with it And then I started getting asylum And then went backwards Kiss was always my band. Like I, I fell in love with that music. And so when, you know, um, crazy nights or smashes, thrashes and hits would come out. I'd buy it right away. But it's one of those things I, I would describe as this. It's like when you, when you're watching your kid play sports and you want him to do well, but you just know he's not one of the best players, <laughs> but you're rooting for him. So that's what it was like rooting for kiss. Like I want this. Come on, people make crazy nights. The number one video requested of the day, but, You know, but that's your kid. So you love it, but you realize that Guns N' Roses, Appetite Instruction is putting out better music. So you're still with it. I went to Stonehill and I met Tommy, who's a big Kiss fanatic too. And that's where I had that. And i always feel like you need that one person that you can bounce this shit off of. And we had our music and we fell in love with all this new music that was coming in. We had a good group of friends, but me and him amongst those good group of friends, had kiss. Yeah. Okay. So we'd always come back to it. And we started watching what do you call it? had just come out extreme close up, And we must have watched that like a thousand times together in college. So we got into that. So that was our thing. Hey, you know, let's go to Harvard square and go buy some bootlegs. And that's how kiss was always there. But we always had amongst all our friends. This music was what was, you know, the, yeah. what was going on in college.
2: And then afterwards in, in my social circle, um, Kiss seemed to be the one band from the past that we wouldn't get mocked for, which was odd because during the 80s, that wasn't the case. That that was the era I got picked on for Kiss more than the 70s. Uh, but, uh, so no, it was kind of nice that, that like people were like, oh, kiss, cool. But they would just move on and not give a fuck, but, uh, at least they'd leave you alone with it. yeah. And I had the one close buddy that, uh, we're still close friends. We were the best men at each other's weddings and we're both, we were texting yesterday about fucking creatures of the night. So, um, just, but you get the point, right? Yeah. That that
0: that intensifies because you have so we were college roommates. Yeah. Yeah. So it it worked. And so kiss was always there at the background. And so, you know, you, we do the same stuff. You grow up and then all of a sudden you, start, you don't see your buddies anymore. You get married. You have kids. But you have that text now. So every once in a while you'll be like, dude, check out this fucking pants that Paul <laughs> Bailey's wearing. Look at, this, look, look at his face in this video. Like, yeah. oh, oh, my God. Look at, listen to what Gene said. So it keeps it there. We're not texting each other about, hey, I love the Eagles. Hey, what, did you hear what Don Henley said? No one gives a fuck what Don Henley said. But you want to hear what Gene Simmons said, yeah, and no you doubt. want to see what Kiss is doing. That's what makes the difference between Kiss and everybody else.
2: Yeah, nobody brags about getting blocked by Gene on Twitter, or by Don Henley on Twitter. They brag yeah. about getting blocked by Gene, yeah. <laughs> uh, well, hey, back to Stone Temple Purple. Um, you were kind enough to re- do what I'm asking everybody that comes on, which, which is re-rank the 25. Where do you put Purple on the list of 25? Of all the grunge era albums, this is my number one. You slide this all the way up to number one. That's for me. Yeah, awesome. My number. Uh, one. Yeah, I, I I did have it much higher on the list, but I had it at fourteen.
0: I'd have to look at the rest of your list and laugh. But okay, <laughs> but I could see somebody keeping it. I mean, I would have to say it should be in someone's. For STP, I would say by far it's still their best album, in my opinion. Oh,
2: he, he's hands down. I, I said in the yeah, the last episode that my list is going to be fluid, you know, because yeah. as I listen to some of these records, it's going to slide shit around. So um, it's really more for everybody else. But, yeah, it's I had it much higher than Rolling Stone did. It's definitely better than the next fucking ten. <laughs> or, That's
0: the thing. But you're right. When you listen to these albums again, just like we do when we get back mm-hmm. into a Kiss album review, we just did Hot in the Shade
2: on our, on our show. Uh, I, I mean, fell in I'm love at, with it. I am at... Oh my god! It's such a long episode, Zeus. I am at. I think you're just getting into Silver Spoon um, when where where I checked out. But uh, I love that record. Amazing. Uh, Yeah. So shout out Loudcast, Kiss fans. Definitely check that out. Um, Well, yeah. Let's. That's a good time. Let's plug your show. You are you. You host the shout out Loudcast with Tom. Is it? I want to say Googliata because we had a Tom Googliata that uh, played for the Timberwolves. Minnesota. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. It's gelati
2: gelati that meant uh, it definitely is spelled more like a gelati Uh, but so you got Zeus and Tom gelati yeah you guys are you do a great job of like, like putting a little bit of humor and having some fun but also just delivering kind of that that kiss conversation that there's definitely there's well fuck I can tell you from our own numbers when we talk about kiss there is an audience for KISS in podcasting. It doesn't seem like there are enough KISS podcasts. Why did you guys decide to just kind of dive into it? Because there were a lot before you.
0: It's not as a slap to anybody out there, but just like with everything, there's always a niche. And do we sit there and say, oh, they're not good enough? No, but we talk KISS. I like to think we're different than everybody. We are. I think we're more in the line of KST, but with fucking more humor
2: and we all and know when you say you're what? not taking sheep shots at anybody, we all know you are, and you're talking about three sides of the coin. I don't have a brand. Um, no,
0: those are your <laughs> buddies. Um, but you get what I mean. But That's for our know, listeners. Listen. But for the – for the what we like to call – I hate to say this, but the Kiss nerds, they might love that shit. Sure. Or you can go listen to Julian – Julian will break down fucking a million things in minutiae for you. Julian is my that.
2: go-to kiss source, flat out. Yeah. I, we we have a lot of fun at his expense, but I love Julian. He's a great guy, and yeah, when I got a serious kiss question, he's my first guy.
0: But that's my point. He's not. We're not competing with Julian.
2: Oh, absolutely He's got his not. thing.
0: He's got his. He's very different than us. So I, I like to think that we, you know, we're definitely not three sides. Okay, <laughs> um, so. You know, I think John, I don't have yeah, a brand a little PRC, but look, we kind of come up with different things. We do this, we do kiss drafts, we do, you know, fucking stupid shit. We're insulting uh. each other, come up with like weird kind of uh, topics to get onto, but we either talk about the music, which is what I think everybody kind of forgot, um, and the band. Like, we're not breaking down like kiss was in this comic book and here's this fucking illustrator and let's talk about like put me to fucking sleep and god bless the people that want to discuss that shit well this guy was in the background he was a background actor in this movie with gene simmons like who Three gives a fuck coin. but you know <laughs> like i don't care about that shit some people do god bless you me and Tom wanna to laugh about this shit yeah. and, and tell fucking stupid college stories and make people have fun and enjoy KISS and have a good rapport. And and that's what we do. And, and that's that's, the, that's why I, I like
2: your show. And I always think a good show comes down to the hosts. And you guys you have a great chemistry. You've clearly been friends a long time. Um and as a KISS fan, a diehard that um, doesn't always get along with a lot of other KISS fans and is definitely not really into most of the KISS podcasts out there. You guys offer a good balance of getting into that kind of nerdy, kind of uh, silly stuff that only KISS fans will get into with also, with, with also having a, a bit of a sense of humor to it, uh, which is what appeals to me. So, Because I can get into the minutiae with anybody and, and have fun with all that stuff. And there is an audience for all these shows we're talking about. Um, absolutely. And I can guarantee you, Julian Gill doesn't feel he's competing with you either. He he's a more the merrier kind of guy. Um, but your your, your show, Duff, definitely does stand out. You guys have really found your niche. I, I enjoy it, um, especially when you hit on topics that I love. Like right now, you're talking about Hot in the Shade. Uh, I mentioned mm-hmm. when you came on, I really loved your Kiss Cruise discussion, which I got into mainly because for research. Uh, cause we basically did a whole show based on the shit you guys said, which is, you know, one of the things we like to do. Uh, but that you guys just, you, you keep it real and you have a lot of fun with it and you are who you are. So plus you guys have just ridiculous accents. You ever noticed that?
0: Um, as I said to you before we started, um, <laughs> Boston was here first. So our accents are correct. The rest of mass, uh, the, the country picked up the wrong accent. So I don't know where you guys fucking got it from. Um, uh. but it's it's funny you say that, but that whole Kiss Cruise thing, that's how you kind of came on our radio. We're like, these guys are mocking us because they're like, yeah, even <laughs> these assholes didn't even go on the cruise, yet they're having an episode about the cruise. <laughs> I'm like, yeah. Oh, that's right. Made myself like, the money.
2: That's right. I was, I was jokingly mad that you – because like we 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 did – um we did a whole episode on the Vinnie Vincent uh, Atlanta appearance at the, at the Atlanta kiss expo. And we covered it through like Sonny Pooney's video camera. Uh, yeah, exactly. It's like, we didn't even go. And we did a whole show on it. And then you guys did the kind of the same thing on the cruise. I'm like, all right, you guys, you motherfuckers, uh, that's our deal.
0: Yeah, don't have to go save the money. I'll tell you for what people were saying, you know, but the other last thing I want to bring up to, the yeah. point is like we started doing because you can see there's an outlet for me for this other type of music, and you know, Tom is the same way. So we started doing bonus episodes this year, okay. And what we're doing is once a month, similar to you, where you have this outlet where you want to just talk about a, a brand of music that is important to you, yeah, but it doesn't really fit your program. So we did that, and we're doing these once-a-month bonus episodes, album reviews, and we have Sunny come on with us. So Sunny's our third host. When we do the album reviews. We've done Appetite for Destruction, Slide It In, and we just did OU812. Okay. Uh that that was Sonny's pick, not mine. Um so do so, you all
2: take turns picking the record then or
0: exactly. I got mine coming up and you'll you'll get a kick out of it. Um and I'm not gonna share it with okay. you now, but, but it's on your list. And because I was gonna do this, but mine I'm up next, I was gonna do purple, but but I'm here. So I had to pick something else on your list.
2: Oh, I appreciate that. Uh, but you actually mentioned that. I wasn't sure if you were serious, and I'm like, I'm sure it'll be fine. Uh, we can talk about it on both shows. But I, we just did uh, – uh, Luce and I joined BJ from Rock and or Roll for a whole Scott sure. Weiland episode. Uh, so uh, I was a little fresh on this, but I was like, fuck it. I, I'm just going to plow ahead.
0: Good. No, no, I mean this. But you know what I do, Dig? Is that there's a, there's a little bit of camaraderie and respect from one another from here yeah. on out amongst a lot of us. So there have been people along the way, like Sonny, that we mentioned, Steve and Michael over at Grown Up Rock. Those guys have been really good to us. Mm-hmm. The guys are harder than hell. And there's a real fun, good community. And the same thing. Why did I know you off the top? No, but I asked and they all said, you're a fun guy. I'm like, you yeah, get to know him. He's he's funny. Don't take, don't think he's serious. Sometimes he'll give you a shot. Like, no, I, I appreciate it. I don't want kiss ass shit and, yeah. you know, fake stuff and, you know, afterwards and whatever, but I'd rather have this. And, uh, it's been great. And I, I I've loved it. We've only been in this. We're, we're about a year and a half into this. So.
2: No, you're yeah, you're absolutely right. The community's a lot of fun. Uh, I I love Stephen and 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 Stephen, yeah. we give him such a heart. He is such a good sport. He gives it back, and he, he's just but just a gracious guy. Sunny too. I, I like I I literally like think he might be one of the nicest people on the planet. Yep. Um. Yep. Uh, except for when you hear him talk about how he handles his kids. Uh. He 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 seems like he might be uh, a little hard handed there, not letting him have a pet once in a while, you know. But uh, that's 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 the big. The biggest flaw I can find with Sonny is that he won't let his kids have a cat.
0: He's the horniest human being I've ever heard, <laughs> ever. And then the other guy over there, Foghorn Leghorn, I say, I say, I say, you got to listen to... Uh, he gets more shit than anybody, and you're right, and he's got a good sense of humor. No, yeah,
2: he, he's uh, he's a kind soul. He's, uh, he, He's been a really good friend, to be honest with you, but yep. I, I know what you're saying when you're talking about the way Stephen talks. No, no I... I, I I love yeah, Steven yeah. man. And
0: and uh, that's the thing when you have him on though you got to speed up everything cuz he talks so fucking
2: slow. Zeus, what
0: song do you think
2: <laughs> is the f- just fucking say it. Yeah, it, it I, I like, the reason I like I've had him on the show uh, uh, well, at least once and I'm like I'm hesitant to do it again because it just adds to the editing time. It's like I have to take his little chunks and splice them and speed them up and then normal speed <laughs> and it's uh
0: Yeah, I know what you mean, but he's a great guy, and they all are.
2: Zeus, this has been a lot of fun. I really appreciate you giving your time. Make sure you check out the Shouted Out Loud podcast. These guys are fucking hilarious. If you are an easily butthurt Kiss fan, stay away. But if you just like hearing some open talk about Kiss, by the way, you guys celebrate them too. You're not you're not haters. You don't yeah. rip on them. Um, but like you said uh, off air, you you just don't give them foot massages. Uh, I think that's 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 a good way to put it. But uh, yep. I highly recommend it. I have r- routinely said on the show the only Kiss podcast that I listen to every episode is the Kiss Room, largely because it's monthly. But I just love to just kind of escape with it. You guys are, my, are easily my second favorite Kiss podcast, um, and that's not just because you're on the show.
0: Thank you for that. Um, much appreciate. I am happy to be on. Uh, it was on honor. How's that <laughs> to be on with you? Um, you, you, I'm you you're up selling the it good. Bullshit. Yeah. Yeah. Um it was great being with you. Um I uh, I had a lot of fun. This was an awesome conversation. Uh, we're fans and we're appreciative and uh, we would like to return the favor at some point.
2: Oh, absolutely. You know, either one of us can speak eloquently on kiss. Uh and definitely not shy of an opinion, but um Perfect. Well, all right then. Well, I was thinking we should just call it quits and get out of here then. What do you think?
0: You know what? Uh I don't. Whatever. All right. Never mind.
2: Died in Minnesota, about uh, ten miles from me. Wow! What did you do? Um. Well, I said that sucks, and uh went to work. I assume. Um, I don't know. I was wondering if you supplied him the drugs. <laughs> or like, What'd you give him? Locked I said, those. "Here's some Advil." Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Poor I bastard. Think, you know what? They found those Advil never taken.